This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's good! Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Mike Calabrese, and this is our College World Series Final Preview. I'm joined by our baseball expert, Colin Wilson. And before we get to the final, we have to discuss the game of the year in college baseball. It lived up to the hype. It was supposed to be a pitching duel for the ages, and it was. Rhett Lauder comes in 18-0 and in his starts. Wake Forest had won every single game that he started on the season. He gives them seven innings, six Ks, zero runs on the board. Paul Skeens does him one better, pitches eight innings, nine Ks. But really, with the chips down, LSU made two of the top plays of the game. Trey Morgan saves the day coming in from first base, ends up picking up a bunt down the first baseline, little short arm flip to home, saves the season for LSU. And then the 11th inning, Tommy Tanks doing what he does, catches a slider, hanging just a little bit, drives it to left field, puts the Bayou Bengals into the national championship final, which will be a rematch of the 2017 final against the Florida Gators. So, Colin, let me get you involved here. First question. Paul Skeens, his legacy coming in, 15 and two-thirds in Omaha, only gave up two runs, issued two walks, 21 Ks. Is it that, or is it the fact that LSU's fan base consumed over 29,000 jello shots? What's more impressive in your opinion? I I would love to give Skeens all the credit, and I would definitely love to credit the LSU fan base for bringing in the jello shots, although – for as many times as I've been down in the quarters, I know how much they can drink. I'm not surprised that they broke the record at all. I think really the most surprising thing that's happened up to this point in Omaha is that the LSU bullpen has somehow figured it out. That is not a leaky boat. They fixed the patches. We've got guys that haven't had any starts, guys that have barely had any appearances. They're just coming out. They're dealing. They're, they're keeping leads. They're protecting leads. And that is not something that we expected from the LSU bullpen. And if they can keep it up, to be able to extend through the loser's bracket just to give Skeens a shot, very impressive. I think the bullpen definitely needs a call out. And we have to also give a shout out to Michael Massey for Wake, you know, pitching, I believe it was three or four innings of a relief, and he looked masterful. They obviously go to their closer there at the end, first pitch ends up giving the game winner up. But overall, I agree, the, the bullpens were the story there. Thatcher Hurd, talk to me a little bit about him, because you mentioned – throughout our preview series that LSU's bullpen was a little bit patchy. You know, they were hoping to be able to to get through and to not necessarily have to go through the loser's bracket to be able to win this because of their pen. What does it mean to them from a confidence perspective that they can now rely on them? Because honestly, they're probably gonna have to do it in game two, patchwork together uh, a bullpen start uh, against the Gators. Yeah, Thatcher Hurd is a really big piece of the LSU bullpen, but is he really a part of the bullpen? Because he's he gets, I think he's third most in starts. So, you know, he is the definition of a Tampa Bay Rays uh, pitching staff guy. He can start and give you three innings. He can come in as a glue guy. And really, he hurts LSU's projections because on the season, he's got a 6.49 ERA. He's got a, a FIP of 5.56. So when I do projections, sometimes I want to pull – Thatcher Hurd's name out of being the stopper or the closer role for them because he kind of actually hurts their projections, although he's pitching much better. But if Thatcher Hurd is able to give three innings from the pen or if he's able to give four innings as a start, that makes LSU uh, definitely a tougher out here against Florida. So fans of the pod, they definitely want to hear your breakdown of the pitching matchup. So let's start here in game one. Projected, it's probably going to be Sprout against Floyd. Do you give Florida the edge in game one? 
Barely. Uh, minus 106 was the number for Floyd against Sprout with Florida having a little bit of an edge there. Uh, I think the one thing that's surprising is for all these games, we've cashed so many unders in Omaha. And game one, not only do I make this a pick, but the, the total was much higher. It was 10.58 that I came in at. I think everybody should be cognizant of the fact that the winds are changing in this little 48-hour break. Everyone's been cashing unders like crazy, but now the wind is shifting because uh, it's Omaha and it's the Midwest, and it's going to be blowing 15 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour out over the walls. And I think that helps the better offense. And in my opinion, the better offense has been LSU so far. Yeah, it's interesting. Both teams are top three in terms of home runs on the season, but LSU does seem to rely on those power bats you know, in the middle of their lineup a little bit more. When it comes down to game two, as I mentioned earlier, it's probably going to be a bullpen game for LSU. Although... Nate Ackenhausen, the Juco transfer, comes in out of nowhere, pitches the best game of his LSU career in a must-win situation against Tennessee. Do you think they hand him the ball with an expectation of him going five innings, or is this more give us as best you have, you know, maybe get six outs, and then we'll hand the ball over to someone else in the pen? Well, I mean, this is uh, this is how you know LSU is on a mission here and how they, you know, they <laughs> – if, if there is a governing body that has blessed a team and said, we know you're going to make it all the way and you're going to have amazing thing happens, amazing things happen. It's Nate Ackenhausen and his zero starts on the year, only 15 appearances, barely averaging a K per inning when he throws 22 innings on the year. And he comes in and he is a key starter uh, that gets LSU to the next game while passing through the losers bracket. I think they build on that confidence and they get, give him game two so that Jack, I'm sorry, so that Paul Skeens can get another day of rest, which I think if he pitches game three, what is that, four days rest? He looked fine pitching on five days, six days rest. Uh, first time he's done that all season. But, yeah, game two is absolutely a bullpen. But I think Nate Ackenhausen, they're going to let him go out there. If you look at his season numbers, he averages not even two innings per appearance. Uh, but if he can give like he did in the game that he won in the loser's bracket, then LSU – I, the, you know, my projection is Hurston Walbert minus 117 against Nate Ackenhausen. It is that close. So I, I'm not surprised at all that the market opened up the series price minus 110 on both sides. Let's talk about the Florida bullpen here for a second, because Jack Caglione is potentially the game three starter, but they may need to use him in a critical moment in game two, just because they've had so many close games. They've gone to their pen. They've gone to their closer so often. What do you think the chances are? We see the collegiate Shohei Otani at some point in game two, if they have a chance to close out LSU. If Herson Walter doesn't have it early, then you're, I think you're absolutely going to see him because they're going to need somebody to save the bullpen and give them about five innings. And I'm not sure if Florida and, and, and listen, they, you know, they've been, it's been interesting uh, managerial decisions. Uh, the entire Omaha, I mean, between uh, accidentally making a seventh mound trip and having to pull your closer out there and Brandon Neely, that happened once to Florida. Uh, they've tried to bunt guys that popped it up and had key outs. I mean, it's, there've been some, some interesting decisions by Florida coaching uh, and, and they've still made it here to the championship round. But I absolutely think if Hurston Waldrop can't go, which he's expected to go five and a half innings, that's his season average. If he can't go, you're going to get Jack Caglianone in there, uh, try to give them some quality innings. For game three, if we do get to Skeens, he pitches another gem, they win the national championship. Where does he fall in the overall history of the College World Series from a pitching dominance perspective you know you've had steven strasburg you've had these huge giants who've gone on to incredible professional careers but what's at stake for him if he can give them one more gem in this run 
you can get above rocker lighter uh you can get above a lot of some of the legendary names that have been pitchers because anyone that wins a college world series has an ace uh that is generally averaging two strikeouts per inning uh untouchable uh every team has had one that's won the college world series but you know Skeens is is special in the fact that not only are you going to see him do this, he's allowed two earned runs, but not only are you going to see him do this, but he's going to be playing on an MLB roster. And I bet you he is running out of a team's bullpen in August and in September. Uh, this is not a player that you just stuff in AAA and hope is, everything works out. He will be coming out of a, an MLB bullpen here in a couple of months. So um, he has the ability to be one of the best of all time. If they get to a game three and he closes it out all by himself, throwing nine innings and LSU gets the win, he gets to argue for the title of greatest pitcher on a college world series winning team ever. Now you've talked a little bit about your projections for game one, game two, potentially game three. How difficult is it to be able to punch in these numbers without a season series between LSU and Florida? This is what's frustrating in the mega conference era. And we're not even to the 16 team sec yet, but the fact that these guys did not match up either in the regular season or the conference tournament, does that make it more difficult or in some cases, is it, you know, you're throwing out regular season stats anyway. Yeah. I mean, Florida and LSU did not play this year in SEC play. They did play last year. And when you cross check all the pitchers, Brandon Sproat's the only one that saw some of this LSU lineup last year. The Dylan Cruz was in the lineup last year when Brandon Sproat, Brandon Sproat went, uh, I think he went two innings and got knocked around a little bit. So he didn't see much of the LSU lineup. So there's really no history here. And, you know, what that means is, is this high flying offense of LSU that averages eight and a half runs per game. You know, it's the first time they're going to see people sliders and cutters. And I I believe we're set up for some really good live betting on totals because when you see a pitcher for the first time and you don't, I mean, you know, the book and you know, his stuff, you haven't actually seen it yet. And I think after you kind of work the count through the first time through the first three innings and everybody gets a look at the, at the arsenal and what they have, I think the runs will start up after that, but um, it's really to the advantage of the pitcher it's the same thing in MLB, right? You back uh, these pitchers get called out of nowhere in double A AA and triple A. They'll come up and have a quality start. And then once the book gets out after two or three starts in Major League Baseball, they absolutely get hammered because you know what's in there. So it's the same thing with college, right? So these pitchers for LSU and Florida have arsenals. And I think after the first time through the lineup, they'll get it figured out. So I think there's going to be some some pretty big opportunities to, to bet some live overs. Now an opportunity for you to put your name on the line here. Who do you like in the series and getting into the weeds a little bit? Do you think there's any value on playing the team that loses game one from a live perspective to go and win game two and game three and come back? I don't think LSU is ever going to be out of this. Uh, and, and right now they have the momentum. While Florida has a little bit of a slight edge when it comes to team pitching staff, that is using the numbers on the year. And this this LSU bullpen has been fantastic in Omaha. So I kind of sway away from getting my head out of a spreadsheet, looking at the product on the field, and LSU just seems like a team of destiny. Uh, yes, they had the narrative that they have one good starting pitcher and the rest of the pitching staff is leaky, but they have patched up those holes. Now this is an offense that averages almost a full run more per game than Florida does, uh, and a pitching staff that isn't giving up earned runs out of the bullpen. So I like LSU to win this, but I think market entry is really important here. Minus 110 has been the open on the series. 
I believe that the, the gambling public is going to say, well, Skeens can't pitch till game three. This has got to be a Florida bet. So I expect Florida to finish up probably minus 120, minus 130. And if I can get LSU at even or plus 110, that's definitely the bet that I'm going to make. Let's turn now to the Wilson weather, I guess, you know, station at this point. I I was tailing a lot of your uh, totals based on the weather and the winds information that you're passing on on Twitter Game one, if it opens at 10 and a half, it's an overplay for you. Is there any point if the market corrects that it would be a pass, you know, 11, 11 and a half? Is that too rich for your blood? I think at 11 and a half, I would pass, although I do think there's going to be runs scored. So the wind for everybody that, you know, that's been following along, my projections for all these games have been anywhere from like 8.4 up to 9.6. And totals, for some reason, that keep getting posted at 11 and a half and closing at nine and a half. I can't understand why they were opening so high it's been a great opportunity for all of us to catch some unders but that ships now and the weather was blowing straight in from left straight in from right 13 miles an hour you saw tcu one of the most explosive offenses in the nation have a handful of doubles one home run in all the games that they played uh the the teams that have been so high in slugging have just been zapped uh but teams like lsu that know how to hit doubles triples advanced runners dylan cruz is stealing bases taking walks um, those are the, you know, that's the team that's going to thrive. But now look at this Midwest weather, complete shift in wind. It is now blowing from home plate straight out to center field. It's going to be blowing around 15 miles an hour on Saturday. After those storms pass through, the wind is expected to continue. So these are over games now. Game one, game two, I project them 10.5, 10.1. So these odds makers are like, well, we should open it up at nine and a half because that's where we've been. And that's where kind of where the games have, you know, uh, settled at. That's a chance to bet an over. So I, I am anxiously awaiting to bet an over here with the wind blowing out. One thing we haven't mentioned is the run line really in this episode or previous episodes, Florida winning three one run games. Do you think that's a, a mentality kind of that's how they want to grind out those victories? Is there value in taking the run and a half, obviously having to lay you know, major juice in a game that's probably going to go off as a coin flip? I wouldn't take Florida minus one and a half. They they have been playing close games. Um, and actually, I've been cashing on the other side because Florida has been inflated all year long. Their numbers, instead of being maybe a minus 120, it's been a minus 180 or a minus 150 is actually a minus 250. And that has given us a little avenue to go and pick up run lines. Run lines in baseball betting are the best in college because when people hear brand names, power five names filled with blue chip players, that juices a money line so far that these run lines can grow to two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. And while it, you know, that team may be superior and they're going to win the game, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to blow them out. Right. I mean, uh, you know, it's so I would just pay attention if it's as a rule of thumb, if it's about 30 to 40 cents off the projection that I have out there, then I will play the run line. Like I did with TCU, uh, all these teams that have played Florida have been cashing run lines against them. I would do the same with LSU. Zooming out from the actionable info here, what are your thoughts on the championship matchup? Do you think the two best teams advanced here in Omaha, or was it kind of the survive and advance mentality that sometimes plays out with a postseason format the way it is in college baseball? Uh, I, I feel bad that I actually thought some ACC teams could come in here and make some noise. I, I mean, that's all I talked about. The very first thing I wrote this year was everybody needs to respect the SEC. You need to go get futures on the South Carolinas, the Floridas, because the SEC dominates. This is now of the last 12 spots in the championship round since 2017. 
Nine of the 12 teams have been from the SEC. I don't see any point when I, and just a rule of thumb, in nine months, eight months when college baseball futures come out, I'm going to look at every SEC team besides maybe Missouri, every SEC team that is below 20 to one, and they're going to get a future from me, right? What is, I mean, there's just no expectation. I think they absolutely got it right. The College World Series continues to play like this because players can now get NIL deals and have much more money by skipping single A and double A and going to play at these unbelievable facilities for Mississippi State, for Arkansas, for LSU, for Florida. Like there's just, there's more money in NIL. There's better facilities and you can work on, I mean, it's not going to hurt your draft status. It's not going to hurt how much money you make in MLB. So look for the SEC particular to separate themselves from everybody else. Because if you were going to play in double A ball and be a draft pick at 17 years old, you're good enough to play in the SEC. And that is what has started to happen over the last two years. Our podcast here, the Action Network podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Last question for you, Colin. If you could bend the ear of our sponsor and say, listen, FanDuel, would love to have player props in states where they are allowed. What would you love to see on the collegiate diamond? Do you want home run props, strikeouts, over-unders, you know, odds to hit the cycle? What are you looking for? Give me Dylan Cruz at any number for on his total basis prop. I don't care what the total basis prop is. He's been on base every single game this year, right? Set his total bases at a half Make it minus 400 and just allow me to square out and throw that money in. Anything Dylan Cruz being on base is a play on. Just put in, post your money. It's like, it's like, uh, what is, the, so the saying with LSU fan base when Paul Skeen's pitches is, it's Paul Skeen's shove day if you do that kind of thing, right? Like if you're, if, if you know, you know, shove the money on Paul Skeen's. If you can get a Dylan Cruz prop, maybe it's not bases, maybe it's just hits, maybe it's walks. I, I just push. I mean, the guy's been on base every single game this year. I think we're up to 66 games, somewhere around there. Pretty impressive. All right, you heard that, FanDuel. Let's get that fired up next year. The College World (laughs) Series gets more popular every single season. It helps when you have absolute classics like Wake LSU last night. So special thanks to Rhett Louder and Paul Skeens for really bringing it. For Colin Wilson, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Action Network podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Please listen in in the coming weeks as we have our college football content right around the corner. We have season previews coming up. We have a lot of heavy lifting to do to get you prepared to make as much money as possible in the fall. So we're going to be hitting the books, watching watching highlights in the film room, doing everything to get ready for that. Colin, can't wait to work with you. And um, yeah, hopefully everyone can cash in on these baseball bets here. Three games left potentially in the season. Make sure to keep an eye on that game two bullpen game from LSU. Could be a, a real wild one, six, seven pitchers pitching for LSU. So thanks again, Colin. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Mike, I'll see you in a month. We'll be back for Mountain West Conference preview. I know I've been asked. Everyone's like, I love these baseball tweets. When are we getting football? One month, guys. G5 coming out. G5, baby. Locked and loaded. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.